This is Podco Media Networks. It's the Demystifying Data Podcast with Chris Clegg, where we deconstruct the tools and techniques marketers need to make data more actionable. Here's Chris. Hello. Welcome. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Demystifying Data. I'm your host, Chris Clegg. And today is the second part of a two-part conversation I had with David Paul. Now, David is the co-founder and CEO of Engageus. He's also the producer and host of the Engageus podcast. And he also does the Insights Association's Audible Insights podcast. We both had the chance to, to walk the floor together at CES. And this is the conversation where we're summarizing you know, what we saw and what we thought it was all about. The previous episode covered off on things like the last decade and next decade of tech and what people were talking about in that context. In part one, we talked about 5G. We talked about the impossible burger, flying cars, and we even covered off on a toothbrush and how this toothbrush is going to change the world, in my opinion. Part two, we go into Delta Airlines and the stuff they're doing around technology. We talk about the future of television and sound, what we're seeing with flexible screens, heads-up displays in cars. And we even cover, you know, market researchers, do they have any business being at CES? We think the answer is absolutely yes. But what does that mean? And how can a market researcher use the experience of CES to improve their practice? So I certainly hope you enjoy it. And when we jump in, we're going to go right into our conversation about the CES floor. I know you spent a little bit of time on the CES show floor today. Anything in particular jump out at you? There are some companies I hadn't seen before. So I like seeing Delta there. So Delta was doing a lot of stuff. They were showing an exoskeleton of somebody moving around, I think, 150 pounds with no effort. It was wild. Uh, And so about workplace safety and baggage handlers and what kind of things around moving cargo, where they play a role. And, you know, at first glance, I would think about Delta as having, it'd be weird for them to be here. But after seeing their footprint and seeing the stuff that they were doing, you're surprised there's not more people like them here. Because their opportunity to deploy technology in ways that make not only their business easier, but their business nicer for for consumers is extensive from check-in to the waiting period to how they communicate information around flight status to being on board and what the onboard experience is like and to baggage handling and those kinds of things. And we certainly know that the airline industry in the United States has a lot of work to do to improve the user experience. And Delta seemed to be on top of that from a technology perspective. I noticed them as well. And I was actually talking with one of their PR people for a couple of minutes today. And I was asking them genuine curiosity, what are you guys doing here? Because most people wouldn't think of an airline at a consumer technology conference. And in addition to the exoskeleton, which was just incredibly cool to see, they also talked about how one of their big areas of focus being driven from the CEO's office down is kind of the door-to-door, end-to-end travel experience, not just on board. And it touches on some of the things you just mentioned, but it also gets into potential things like door-to-door baggage, where you could have your luggage picked up at your house, and then you could have it delivered to your destination huh. for you oh, yeah. and not even have to deal with it interim in between. So they're really trying to figure out, they use the words, take the stress and take the chaos out of travel and just give you a much more comfortable door-to-door experience. Yeah, that's cool. That's and that's cool. all technologically driven. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I mean, the TVs are always fascinating. They're always getting bigger, higher resolution the way that they can recess into a cabinet or into the wall, those are 
just fascinating to see. I mean, because you kind of think how far can sound and television go? What's the pinnacle of engineering for those products? And what I've started to hear this year was interesting because first of all, if that was even being discussed or addressed. And when it came to the visuals and what a TV presents, the idea was, you know, let's get the TV experience to be an exact replication of what the director intended. You know what I mean? So let's remove all of the things that the technology is contributing that's taking away from what the director intended you to experience as a viewer of their work. And then the same was true with sound. Let's bring sound to the level that even though it was recorded previously, years before maybe, how can you replicate that experience perfectly based on what the artist intended? And Sony was talking about a... I think it was called 360 Sound or Sony 360 something. Mm -hmm. And the discussion was interesting because it really had a lot to do with this idea that when we're experiencing a concert or we're experiencing at a music venue, there is not one source of sound coming to you. You've got the crowd around you and the ambient noise it represents and the emotional swings of the crowd. And then you've got the stage and how the stage is organized, the drums in back, the vocals up front, the speakers and how the speakers are laid out, the, the musicians flanking the singer who's in the center. And the way all that lays out, it creates a certain experience at a live venue that unless recorded with this 360 perspective in mind, it's very difficult to replicate. But Sony is doing stuff to recreate that, to deliver a higher-end sound experience. So that idea of, you know, let's get it to the point where it's what the artist intended. Let's get it to the point where it's what the director intended. That seemed to be a nice endpoint for where they're going with stuff. Except, and, of course, there can't be an endpoint, right? There's yeah, there's got to be something yeah. after that. Yeah, yeah, it'll get thinner, it'll get less expensive, it'll get maybe bigger, perhaps. Yeah. I was fascinated today by flexible screens and how those are coming such a long way, whether it's to power like a folding smartphone, which uh -huh. I think will be great. Yeah. Because you then get to enjoy the benefit of a larger bit of real estate on your phone, but you can still shrink it down and put it in your pocket. Yeah. But there were also just these individual flexible panels that you could twist and turn in every direction and the image just maintained itself. And that kind of a product, even for you know public safety, and I would think in the medical field, along with, of course, for entertainment, yeah. not to have this rigid, flat, hard object that you yeah. can then still communicate visually on, I think yeah. is fascinating. Yeah, that was cool. That does very cool. I can see that. For sure. I, I think on that similar note is the idea of the heads-up display in the cars. And that's interesting. I haven't ever seen that. I haven't ever, ever experienced I certainly haven't driven a car that had heads-up display in it. And one guy was talking about how they had integrated the ability in real time to show the lyrics of the song that's playing on the screen. And I, I don't know if I'm there yet. I don't Because I can look at a window or I can look through the window. Yeah. And uh, I don't know the degree to which a heads-up display can be kind of consumed in the peripheral. And I've always thought that it was safer because you weren't taking your eyes off the road to look at something that was down on the dashboard. And I could see that it was safer if it was in my peripheral vision, if it was giving me a general sense of go in that direction or do this. But if I have to read lyrics to have the experience they're intending, that can't be safe. Yeah, no, that can't be safe. I'm not, I don't know what I'm talking about, but it doesn't feel safe. No, it doesn't. And uh, I think... Part of the challenge is going to be, right now, we look through a clear windshield, we have an unobstructed view, but we have the downside of having to look down at our dash for yeah. the information. Yeah. The flip side of that would be that all of the information is on the dash so that you don't have to look down, but now you don't have a clear, unobstructed 
view anymore. And you've got all this data right in front of your face. Yeah. That's naturally distracting. Yeah. Uh, they're going to clearly have to get that sorted out before yeah. it's I, practical and safe. I got to imagine the science of awareness and attention and the use of colors and how it's a clear presentation of information that you can see through the information itself versus not. There's got to be a lot to it, but that was an interesting one. A couple of years ago, I was wandering around the cars and there was discussion around the removal of the side view mirrors and that that was something that was going to go away because it was so distracting to look to the side of the side view mirror. Yeah. And I still saw cars with side view mirrors this year. So I guess they're still figuring that part yeah, out. I haven't seen anything without side view mirrors, but yeah. I could see building that into the edges maybe of your windshield. Yeah. That's logical. That makes sense. Yeah, it's always interesting. There's so much going on here. There's so many vendors. There's so many things happening. There's some folks that have things that are really innovative and unique thinking. And then there's other things that are just kind of the masses of stuff for people showcasing a Me Too kind of thing. It's an overwhelming experience if you don't have clear direction. Well, that's true. So I guess just to wrap this up a little bit, being a very seasoned researcher yourself, coming here as part of the Insights Association excursion and what they bring to the table for added value for that and what you took away. What are your thoughts on whether you would do that again and how you might recommend that to others if they want to take in the CES experience? I certainly would recommend it. I think if you are in market research or if you're in the data science, there's nothing more valuable than having the opportunity to connect with your colleagues in this kind of environment because it gives you the chance to have conversations like we're having now that allow us to really take what we're seeing and what we're learning back to our own practices and back to our own world. I remember in past years when I've been here with the Insights Association, the themes have been things like, you know, we all want a butler. How can we increase the conveniences in our life and how all of the services and all the stuff that we see is around having that personal assistant or all the health-related items were around having a personal health coach or having a personal nutritionist or all the things that might be aspirational are becoming accessible through technology. And that was an insight that I didn't certainly come up with, but one of the fellow attendees that were here with the Insights Association crew put out there. And that started to become a paradigm of which I was observing everything I was looking at over the day or two afterwards. And then as I went back to my own work and was talking to clients and looking at marketing campaigns, that became a paradigm that I would shift to, to think about how is this relevant? Is this happening here? And then it allowed me to contribute in ways that I otherwise wouldn't have been able to, and hopefully provide value to my clients because of that new thinking. And that's the gold. I mean, I kind of figure that I got to come up with something new every six months or so to stay relevant to the people that decide to engage us. And that was certainly my home run for that six-month period. And so you come here to kind of get that enrichment in what we do and try to get that enthusiasm and being able to have a guided exposure to that that the Insights Association provides is certainly very valuable. And I'd recommend it to somebody. I'd also add that CES in particular can be incredibly overwhelming because there's so much going on. And I think there's 4,500 vendors, there's 180,000 people that fly in from all over the world. And it's not one location, it's close to a dozen locations around the city. And so if you don't have somebody who has curated an experience that's relevant to you and the practices that you're in, then it can be very difficult to do that yourself the first couple times at least. And that's a huge added value. Yeah, no, I agree completely. I think between starting off with the Research Summit, which is a great way to ease into it because it's the day before 
the convention opens. So it's much more quiet. A fraction of the people are around, but it's all highly focused on what we do. Uh-huh. And then to your point, I mean, what, there was someone in our group today who this was her first time coming. She's wanted to come for years. I think there was an intimidation factor around coming, not really knowing how to navigate it and what to do when you're here. But this kind of gave her the confidence to say, okay, I'm going to go check it out. And these guys are going to help me make the most of it. And so I think that if you've been curious about it and if you've been excited about it and you want to check it out, I think this is the kind of excursion that can really really make it valuable for you. And uh, to your point, Chris, just getting out from behind your desk and immersing yourself in it and being able to spend time with colleagues, not even in a market research conference environment, but in a really different environment where we get out of our bubble and we get to have all of this stuff wash over us. And then we get to figure out how to make sense of it and talk to each other about it and parse it out. I think that's tremendously valuable. Yeah, well said. I couldn't agree with you more. Great. Well, Chris, it's been great talking with you and we still got a little bit more time here at the show. So I hope you continue to get value from it. And thanks for giving us some time. Hey, it's a pleasure, David. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with David Paul and kudos again to the Insights Association for putting together the option to walk around with fellow researchers and and really experience CES from the research perspective. If you're not a subscriber, go ahead and subscribe to Demystifying Data wherever you listen to podcasts. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. I hope you got some value at it. And I hope you're having a great day. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you again real soon. Tune in next time as Chris Clegg continues demystifying data. Meantime, head over to demystifyingdata.co to learn more.